Uh, you're listening to WTJU Charlottesville. I'm Robert Packard. I'm sitting down here with Sam Linkus. Uh, Sam is one of the apprentices. Sam, why don't you tell our listeners what your craft is? Well, my apprenticeship involved uh, what we call green woodworking, which is basically taking the wood straight from a tree, cutting down a tree, splitting out the pieces you need, and uh, forming them or shaping them or cutting them or carving them or whatever into the form. Uh, basically what uh, Mr. Wingett and I were working on was traditional farm implements such as wooden pitchforks, wooden rakes, those kinds of things. We made a lot of wooden mallets and split, learned how to split out shingles from white oak shingles for the traditional roofs, uh, fence palings, anything you can do where you need to shape or form the wood into the shape that you need it, even making handles, hoe handles, hammer handles, those kinds of things. So when you're talking about green wood, you're talking about the wood that's still, it's freshly cut, it's still got a lot of that moisture in it. Why is that a material that you would work with? Because when I I go to a a Lowe's or a Home Depot and I look at a lot of the tools, it doesn't look like that's how they were made anymore. Why is this tradition well, the green woodworking, basically the wood is much more pliable and workable when it's green. It's easier to cut. It's easier to shave down using the, the jaw knives, which, we, which is what we use to shave it down to size. It's much more pliable, uh, and plus uh, it, it's it's easier to find. You can go out and find a tree that needs to come down and, and start from there. Do you have a preference for a type of tree? Uh, what what trees work best for this method? Yeah, some of it depends on what you're going to make. But if you're making um, such as rakes, handles, those kinds of things, ash makes is real good and workable. Hickory, of course, makes great handles. Uh, most If you go to store to buy a sledgehammer handle, still a wooden one, you'll find it's pro- most all the time going to be hickory. So uh-huh. hickory, if you're making shingles, uh, white oak. Uh, so it depends on what you're going to use it for, but ash and hickory, white oak, those kinds of good hardwoods. And how did you get interested in this type of woodworking? Well, I've been interested in this kind of thing for many years. I worked at various, I worked at a couple different folk centers around the country, and uh, seen other craftsmen doing this kind of work. But basically, I'm just one of those people that's interested in the old traditional methods that. Uh, the kind of methods that would have been used back before mechanization, uh, industrialization, or whatever of the farms. Um, so I've just—it's uh, just been seems to have been something that's always interesting. My daddy was a coal miner, and he did a lot right of this on. kind of work back once upon a time. So this is what people would used to do if they needed to get tools at their own homes. Is that correct? Exactly. It—I uh, think the tradition probably stemmed from the old cliche, you know, necessity is the mother of invention. Absolutely. Uh, So if someone needed a wooden pitchfork, they'd just get out their tools and and make what they needed. If they needed a, if they broke a handle, they'd make a new handle, so forth. So let's actually take the pitchfork as an example. Uh, Let's just say that we've cut down a tree and it's large enough to have enough wood to make that. How long does it take to turn that cut down tree into the pitchfork that you would make? Well, not real long, really. Once you get it, uh, you cut down a tree and you're going to split out a piece that's roughly the size and shape that you want. And then you then you uh, shave it down to closer to the size. And then the further you go, the closer you get to exactly what you want. And then with most of the wooden pitchforks that you see that are handmade in the tradition that we did it in are, are three-pronged, three forks. 
And so you have to work out that, and then you have to saw the between. You know, you make two cuts, which which leaves you three forks. Uh, right on. And then once, you, then the next step, of course, uh, after you get it cut out, when you spread the forks out, you don't want that tree to split all the way up. So you put a rivet in back where you want it to stop. Just a a metal. You drill a hole, put a metal rivet, brad both sides, so so it'll stay in there. And then you put them in a uh, steam box. You you have a find a way to create steam, whether it's you're setting it over an open fire with a pot, you know, whatever. But it's a closed-in box. You put the wood in, and uh, and then after that you have a a frame that which is another thing that I learned to make in this apprenticeship program. Oh, cool! Uh, that and I'll show you. I have a miniature version. I can show you downstairs. But uh, you put it in that frame, and that's how you create the bend. And when it's hot and steamed. You put it in there, and it makes it much more pliable while it's hot and steamed. And then you just leave it in there for a day or two, two or three days, until you make sure it's going to dry out good and it holds the bend well. And what other kind of tools and implements can you make uh, using this method of green woodworking? Well, we, uh, we made rakes, uh, wooden rakes. We made uh, handles. We, we split out uh, white oak shingles. We made the, you, you made it, if you've ever seen any of these old homes, Nowadays, when you see it, you see it more in old historical restoration projects with the old wooden fence palings that are about four or five feet high and about three or four inches wide. Uh, we split those out. We uh, we split locust fence rails. Uh, any th- any t- any of those kinds of things that you need. Any kind of handles, uh, hoe handles, the old kind of old-fashioned hose that you walk along behind in your garden and push by hand. You know, those have a considerable bend. Any any of that type of thing you can make, and probably other things I'm not thinking about. Right on. And how long have you been involved with green woodworking uh, as an apprentice? Uh, as an apprentice, I just finished my apprenticeship. You know, the apprenticeship. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, the, and I'm really thankful to John Lumen and the Folk Life Center here for having this program. It's, it's a great program. Uh, my apprenticeship ran, you know, the apprenticeships, as you know, I'm sure run from September to May. Right. And my program is one that just finished in May. So uh, that's, I was here last September as the the incoming class. Now I'm here as the outgoing class. class. Just finished. Yeah. So what are your plans for next year? Uh, well, I'm going to, Danny and I, Mr. Wing and I, who I did this with, we have been good friends for years and, and we have worked together for years and we'll continue doing this. I'll continue honing the craft and, and spending a day or two with him every couple of weeks and, and going to his house and, and working. And he's also a master blacksmith, a leather worker, just lots of other things. A so true renaissance man. He's, he's a, just a fun guy to hang out with for a day. And so you've been doing this for a while now. Uh, I'm, I'm curious, do you remember the first piece that you made? Or alternately, is there a piece that you remember that spoke to you or made you really proud or something that you remember the deepest about your apprenticeship? Well, I, yeah, I, you know, that, that's an interesting question. I, I started doing this because, you know, I had some things that I needed some handles for, and I just thought it would be fun hey, to, to make my own. So I found a piece of hickory, and I carved down the, my first handle, and it's downstairs in, in my in my fro that I used to split wood with. Awesome. And, and that one... Every time I pick it up, you know, I say, hey, this is the first handle I made, so it's kind of neat. Still, hopefully it'll last 100 more years. 
And I, I love that you got into it out of that necessity exactly. of needing handles, because as you said, necessity is the mother of invention. That's that's the tradition. So how long does it take from kind of getting this interest to being able to learn something to the point where you can make not even necessarily something as complex as a pitchfork or a rake, but just a handle? What? How long does that practice take? Well, it's you know, it's to me, it, it was it seemed to be something that just. Uh, it just made sense. Here's how you do it, and you know you have a you you have a, a handle, a, a hammer, for instance, or something that you need something to fit in that hole. And you and you just and you know it's it's like a friend of mine says it makes guitars. You know he takes wood and he cuts away everything that doesn't look like a guitar. Yeah, and that's sort <laughs> of what that. I do with the handles. Oh, I I love that. Um, there are so many different quotes I could bring up that uh, remind me of that. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you kind of a gimme question here that's a little funny, but I'd love to hear your answer. Um, if somebody wanted to get involved or wanted to rather have you tell them why they should consider getting involved with uh, your craft with green woodworking, what would you tell them? Well, uh, first of all, I'd highly recommend it because it's lots of fun. It's uh, working on uh, on this wood, and when you're using the shaving horse and the draw knife, and, and shaving down this wood, you create all kinds of these great shavings. It's the most fun way in the world to make fire starter. Cause, <laughs> but, but because, you know, I'm one that likes to, I hate to see these traditions not being passed on. I hate to see them fade away. And, and my biggest reason for getting into it was so the tradition wouldn't die, so to try to keep it, try to keep it alive and try to keep it in the, in the mind of people. And it is, there's still lots of good reasons for doing it. You know, there's still lots of people who love these old wooden implements and, and collect them and, and use them and purchase them and so forth. Absolutely. And so you're going to be here uh, throughout the entire day today, correct? Exactly. Fantastic. And so that's going to be until 5. That was Sam Linkus. He was talking to me about traditional green woodworking and farm implement construction. Sam, thank you so much for taking the time to join me today. My pleasure. Again, I want to thank the center here and John Lohman for providing this program. And it's a great program. Please come out if you're listening and you're close.